Hello His people and welcome to church and this morning I have a word that I want to speak and I want to minister to you this morning on the topic of a culture of honor and my name is Jacques and together with my wife Jenny uh, we the senior pastors of His People Church in Peter Marysburg, South Africa so from wherever you're watching in the whole world over the internet we just trust that you really enjoy this this word with us this morning. So Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for your anointing upon your word, Lord. Lord, I just pray that by your spirit, you just bring life on your word, through your word. Change our lives, Lord, by your word, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, this word this, word this morning, I want to just let you know that... Um, I decided not to listen to any messages, read any books, and I've often ministered on this topic of a culture of honor. But this time around, I decided just to look at the scriptures. And so I went and I, and I just looked in my NIV Bible, and I found no less than 176 different scriptures that have this word honor in it. And that's not even looking at the scriptures that have the word honorable um, or other similar words like glory or glorify, etc. And so this topic, I was actually so surprised to see just how many scriptures there are on this topic. And we're going to look at a few of them. Don't worry, we're not looking at all of them. Just a few this morning. But the, the reason that I felt I wanted to minister on a culture of honor was because of something that Pastor Roger shared with us. Now, Pastor Roger, he has a picture of him, Pastor Roger Pierce. He heads up um, our Every Nation Southern Africa uh, Apostolic Leadership Team. And he ministered this. We had a, we had a Zoom meeting of, of senior pastors about a couple of weeks ago. And he shared on this and he spoke on the topic of three cultures we are developing in every nation over the next three years. And uh, Pastor Roger went away, I think it was about September, October, for a couple of days and really was seeking the Lord, um, just regarding his heart and the Lord's direction for us as a family of churches in Southern Africa. And the Lord gave him these three cultures. And he shared this with us. I've heard it about three times now. And and these are the three cultures that he said he would like us to pursue and develop in our churches in the next three years. And firstly, it's a culture of honor and hence the topic for today's message. But secondly, a culture of biblical learning. And thirdly, a culture of the pursuit of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we looked at our series on shape, we particularly looked at this aspect of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and that is the S, which stand of shape, which stands for spiritual gifts. And they are so significant, it's so beautiful. Whenever anybody or you you encounter signs, wonders, and miracles, the reason they're happening is because people are flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so we really we we love empowering people and teaching and training, and and releasing people in that area. But this morning, I want to look at this whole topic of a culture of honor. And so, if we're going to look at a culture of honor, 
the place that we have got to start is the reality that honoring God is where it all starts. If we're going to look at the topic of a culture of honor, honoring God is where it all starts. And so let's just look at this. It says, now to the king, in 1 Timothy 1 verse 17, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And this is such just a beautiful scripture where uh, in, in Timothy, Paul's writing and it's it's, it's, it's nearly, if you read the scripture, the, the context of the scripture, it's nearly as, as if this was just a spontaneous expression of praise and honor towards the Lord. And what I found so interesting was when I was looking up scriptures for honor, is how often the word honor and glory actually went together. They're different, but so similar. And, and, and I want you just to realize that when we talk about honor, Glory is right there, close by, to, together, wherever, not wherever, but so often when this word is used. And, and I want you to realize that this topic of honor is, is a majestic topic. topic. It, is, it is something that, that, I, that I believe every human heart, every human soul yearns for, is honor and this topic of glory. A couple of years ago... Uh, we were we were we were told about a book, a marriage book, and it was it was literally called Love and Respect. And the whole thesis of this book was from uh, Ephesians chapter five, where the writer speaks there about husbands to love their wives, and it says wives are to respect their husbands. Interesting that it used the word respect regarding how a wife must. Uh, I believe, show love towards her husband. And respect and honor are so closely linked. And, and it's, just, it's just so significant. And it was a significant time for my wife, Jenny, where she just realized showing me as a husband honor, honor and respect is a way that a wife shows her husband love. And so, and so just seeing how these things tie together has just been so significant. But one of the things that, that really, really struck me, you, you read a scripture like this and it's just glorious. And, and I, I was so struck by what is the opposite of honor? And you could easily say, well, it's dishonor. And, and, and yes, I suppose you get degrees of it. But, but I've actually come to realize the opposite of honor isn't just dishonor. It's actually rebellion. And if you take it further, if you look at places where, where there's been a total breakdown in a society or even sometimes in a family, there's usually chaos, there's anarchy. I mean, to use a word like disorder is, is a small word. I, I think of the images we saw when, 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 for example, in Syria, the civil war erupted over there and it was just a total breakdown of society. And, and, and I, and I'm mentioning that to just highlight to you the significant of the significance of honor in the context of a culture. We're talking about a culture of honor, and, and the neatest little definition I remember hearing of culture is the definition that says 
that culture is simply the way we do things around you. The way we do things around you. And so if we say that we are building a culture of honor, that means that honor is the way we do things around you. But I want to highlight that if the opposite of honor is rebellion and anarchy and chaos, I just want you to, to realize the significance of why I believe Pastor Roger highlighted the need that we need to build a culture of honor. Um, I'm sure many of you have seen those images of what's been happening in our South African House of Parliament in some of the meetings between parliamentarians in our national parliament in the last couple of years. And, and as, a, as a South African, I none of us could uh, could honestly say that that the kind of let's just use a nice word dishonor that was shown between parliamentarians in parliament was was something that engendered any national respect or admiration for our so-called national leaders and i want to submit to you if we look ahead if we're going to build something significant for the king and our kingdom that and his kingdom that that we have to embrace a culture of honor as a key building block to build churches to build families to build societies to build communities to build campuses that will stand the test of time and that will make a significant impact for generations to come so so i can't overestimate the significance of pastor roger giving this injunction for us to build and develop a culture of honor. Just think about the opposite. If we don't, if we don't have honor uh, as, as, a, as a foundation stone, what happens in those kind of societies or families or communities or even churches? And so this is so significant. Honor starts with an attitude to glorify and praise and worship and uplift the King of Kings, our Lord Jesus. And that's that's the starting point, I said. But let's just look in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, chapter 5, this incredible picture where John gets a picture, a glimpse of what it, what's happening in heaven. And look at this description. He says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. Whoa, what a picture. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang. And this is their song. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And there are those two words, honor and glory, together again. This is their song of praise. This is the song resounding in heaven. And this is a glimpse of, 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 let's say the end game is, the end game is glorious. It is majestic. It is beautiful. And he actually uh, carries on in the next uh, two verses where he actually, he doesn't just see heaven, he sees the earth. And all living creatures are basically making the same declaration. And I'm not going to read the whole verse, but this is what they say. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power. Forever and ever. Folks, this is the end game. Honor and glory. We are going to be, be swept up in the most glorious, the most, the most 
grand, honoring time. And, and, and incredible, it says it's forever and ever. So that's the end game. And we, we are, we are, when, when we pray, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Folks, we need to remember that this is what's happening in heaven. When we pray, we're praying this down onto earth, into our families, into our campuses, into our cities. Amen. So I want to go to 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 first. So I just want to look at this verse and, and why this verse. When I um, was first a student at UCT, when I first recommitted my heart to the Lord uh, in my first year in 1988 at the University of Cape Town, one of my questions that I was asking the Lord was, I've surrendered my life to you. What kind of a life must I live? What must this Christian life look like? I wasn't sure. And, and in studying scripture, I came across this verse, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, where it says, So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And that verse was such an anchor for me. It, it was such a guiding light. It helped me discern what I should do, how I should do things, how I should act, how I should respond. It was just such a guiding light to me. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Does it bring glory to God? And my wife and I, uh, Jenny, we actually um, recorded a video that's going to be played on the Every Nation social media platforms at the end of the month, uh, the daily devotional. And we actually shared from the scripture. And I, and I, I remember in my final year of university, I failed one of the key courses. And this, this concept of wanting to bring glory to God was, was so, was so entrenched in me. One of my biggest anxieties wasn't the fact that I'd failed and there could be consequences academically, etc. One of my greatest pains was, and I remember sharing it with my girlfriend then, Jenny, uh, before we got married, was I'm not bringing glory to God by failing the way I have. And that was my angst. And, I, and I'm simply mentioning it to highlight this, that the concept of whatever you do, do for the glory of God, was I just remember that angst in my soul that this is not bringing glory to God. And that for me was the hardest thing. And so uh, amazing story of how God turned that around. I managed to rewrite and actually got a first class pass and God really, I trust God glory and, and he worked good out of that situation. But this concept of doing everything for the glory of God is really fundamental regarding building a culture of honor. And in this verse here, he starts with saying, so whether you eat or drink, what's he talking about? Now, firstly, let me say, look how simple Paul the Apostle is making it over here. To apply this concept of a culture of honor or living for the glory of God. You know, living for the glory of God sounds so majestic. It sounds like you've been called into a great hall with many dignitaries. And you are being commissioned to go on a, on a royal mission for the King of Kings to glorify Him. I mean, that's kind of the picture when you talk about living for the glory of God. It's grand. It's majestic. But yeah, he's bringing down to how you eat and drink. Something every, every one of us do every single day. Just showing. He's showing you how basic it is and how grand truths like a culture of honor isn't meant to be 
pie in the sky for some super spiritual dudes, you know, who live in a cave in the mountains. This is normal Christianity. This is how you eat and drink and what you eat and drink. This helps you discern those kind of things. And in this particular context, Paul is actually speaking to them about the whole issue they were wrestling with about food offered to idols, where they could, where they shouldn't eat it. And he was trying to address them because there were some mature believers who were totally fine with eating any food, if it had been offered to idols or not. But there were some younger believers who really struggled with this concept that they were seeing mature brothers eating food offered to idols. It was causing tension, causing division in the church. And he's saying, hey guys, do whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. He actually unpacks it. I want to put these next few verses because I think they're helpful in the context we find ourselves. He goes on, verse 32, he says, Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. You see, if you mature and you scoffing away whatever food, but there's a brother who is really battling with the concept of, hey, that food was dedicated to idols, now you're eating it. He's saying, you're causing your brother to stumble. Don't, rather don't, for the sake of your brother, or for whether they are Jews or Greeks, because these were multicultural churches, remember. Verse 33, he says, even as I tried to please everybody in every way. I ministered a while ago about a considerate community. Paul the Apostle is considering other people. He doesn't just eat anything or drink anything, and, and, and with an attitude, I don't care, I'm mature, I can drink anything. He's like, hey, if I drink this, whatever, and I cause my brother to stumble, I'm more mature. I should have maturity to say, no, I'm not going to do this. And he goes on to say, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of my many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I want to share a very practical example that came to my attention recently. And I heard the story of, a again, a mature believer that in this context of the, the COVID-19 pandemic, went into a shop to buy something. I don't know what they were buying. I don't know where the shop was. But this was posted on social media. And this person was standing in the queue, not wearing a mask. And everybody else was. And this person, this mature believer, got to the checkout till. And the cashier asked this person to please put on a mask. This mature believer got quite upset with the fact that the cashier was asking her to put on a mask. And actually posted on social media that she actually didn't buy anything in that town. And from the post seemed like she left in quite a huff uh, because she was expected to wear a mask. Now, two things I, I did, I do understand that where this happened, the local authorities had actually requested that people wear masks. Now, the scripture gives us an injunction to obey authorities. Now, those authorities are, have, have, have responsibility for, for the health matters in that region. They had given those instructions. But more than that, even that, if that wasn't the case, the reality is that I may have, as a mature believer, the faith that, hey, you know, God's going to protect me. I'm not going to get the virus. I don't need a mask. Psalm 91, I believe it, etc. But if a brother doesn't have the same faith as me and he sees me walking down the road without a mask and he is 
he is being challenged by me not wearing a mask. Am I not possibly causing my brother to stumble here? And the question is again, does that honor and glorify God? And and, and I want to say, back then it was about eating and drinking. I don't know what your faith is regarding wearing masks. But if you're not wearing a mask, is causing your brother to stumble or is causing your brother to think, I'm not coming to church or I'm not coming to connect group because, hey, folks, Paul said over here, do not cause anyone to stumble. Even as I try to please everybody in every way for not seeking my own good. I'm saying in this current context, yes, hey, I don't like wearing a mask either. I don't wear it because I like it. Okay. As a mature believer, let me tell you, the way I view wearing a mask is different as if I was a lone ranger Christian all by myself on the planet, just doing Psalm 91 by myself. But I'm not. I live in community. And therefore, I, for a number of reasons, not just the scripture, I will choose to wear a mask. So, so maybe this, this, this concept, uh, is, is, is new to you, but the principle I want to bring across is, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let's go on. I want to put up this scripture. And in 1 Peter 2 verse 17, and it's in the New King James Bible, it says this. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Wow. Short, sharp, to the point. And... Four points in this verse. I just want to highlight the first two because the first point is honor all people and the last point is honor the king. You know, when we talk about a culture of honor, most people first encounter the concept of honor in the context of an authority figure. I I would expect that most people would have experienced honor in the context of a family, in the family context where, where parents are honored and and so in many cultures and, and sociologists actually identify different cultures as how much uh, some cultures are identified as a high honor culture or a low honor culture and you can work that one out that's not what I look at but honoring the king I want to submit to you is, is also an essential part of any healthy functioning culture but culture is going to survive as I said before when honor breaks down there's, there's rebellion, anarchy, chaos, and no society can, can, can thrive and function in that kind of environment. So the vertical application in a, let's just say in a hierarchical type society where, 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 where the king or leaders or rulers or whatever are honored, most people get that. They get honor ap- applicable in a, in, 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 in a vertical sense. But yeah, in the Bible, Peter says, honor all people. And I want to submit to you, that's a horizontal application of honor. Honor all people. And most people get the vertical application that, yes, he's the king, he's the boss, he's the dad, he's the, she's the mom, you know, whatever. They get the vertical application of honor. And the last couple of years, there's been a beautiful emphasis on honoring all people. That every single person, whether they are a prince or a pauper, they are worthy of honor. And that revelation and teaching, and I've heard such beautiful teaching about that, has been awesome. 
But we cannot, we cannot let either of these get out of whack and out of balance. Because we can't say that, yes, whoever is the ruler. The, the, the Bible actually speaks about those who teach are worthy of double honor. And, and I find it interesting that that, that that word double honor is used. And it's the context also of leadership. And so we can't get these two out of whack. It's not just a horizontal application of honor. And it's not just a vertical where the man at the top gets all the honor, all the glory, all the praise, man or woman at the top, whoever they are, and, and nobody else gets any honor. It is both. It's vertical and horizontal. And in a healthy community, a healthy honor culture or culture of honor, there's both. Yes, absolutely. We respect leaders. We respect those who have responsibility and authority over us. Absolutely. But those people at the same time will respect and honor everybody who's part of the family, part of the community, part of the local church, part of the nation, part of the city. And so it is this vertical and horizontal, their intention, and we must be, they must be kept in balance. The next scripture I want to want to go to is actually looking at this verse in the Passion. And the Passion just puts it so beautiful. And this is how it says it. Verse 17, the first part where it says, Honor all people. It says, recognize the value of every person. Recognize the value of every person. And I was like, I think that is such a neat biblical definition of what honor is. Recognizing the value of every person. That's what it's about. Let's go on. What I want to put up now is such an interesting scripture regarding community, regarding church. And look what Paul says in Romans. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. The one another, remember, speaks about church, spiritual family, community. Love one another with brotherly affection. And then he says this, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know, I was I was thinking about what this looks like. And I'm saying, Lord, as we endeavor in the next couple of years to build a culture of honor, Lord, would you unpack this? Would you show us what does it look to outdo one another in showing honor? And, and I want to be honest, I'm not sure what this looks like. It's in my Bible, but I'm saying, Lord, would you show us? And I want to say, as a church community, can we go on this journey and say, Lord, what does this look like? I do want to say that that this concept of outdoing one another in showing honor, I, I'm not into flattery or pretense or showy kind of talk where we just say, you know, hey, darling, you're amazing, where it's empty and not sincere. I, I, I'm really, I, I don't want us to build that kind of a community, but let us see what this looks like. What does it look like to outdo one another in showing honor? It's Bible. I'm saying, Lord, show us. Take us on this journey. Okay, I want to put up something that Pastor Steve Murrell uh, shared. And uh, he actually posted this on social media. And, and Pastor Roger shared it with us as leaders. And he said this about respect and honor. And, and, and just highlighting the difference between respect and honor. And I, I just thought he said it so well. So I'm putting it on the screen for you. Respect is earned, but honor is owed. Respect is based on how a person performs, whereas honor is based on a person's position. See the difference between the two. 
The Bible tells us to honor our father and mother. Not because we think they deserve respect or honor, but because of their position. Goes on to, he goes on to say, whether or not I respect a person says something about their life, values and character. Whether or not I honor a person says something about my life, values and character. And can you see this, this whole concept about honor is more about the person who gives it than the person who gets it. And so it's very personal. Pastor Steve goes on to say, we honor parents, pastors, police, and presidents because of their positions. Whether or not we respect parents, pastors, police, and presidents is based on their attitudes and actions. But whether or not we respect them, we must honor them. Whether or not we respect them, we must honor them. Of course, it's a bonus if we have respect and honor. And I trust that we would build a, a, a culture of honor where respect and honor are, are together. And it's not we are honoring somebody without being able to respect them. We obviously are trying to build and we're saying, Lord, would that, would that be the kind of communities? I, I, I just love what, what Pastor Steve says, this whole concept of and you know, they are leaders, and I've had leaders. I've served under various leaders, both when I was working as an engineer and in ministry, where I honestly, I remember coming home and saying to my wife, I think I'm learning more from this boss about how not to lead than I'm actually learning how to lead. In other words, I was maybe struggling to respect the person but I would still honor them because of their position as my boss in, in, in that context. Let's look at Exodus 20 verse 12 because Pastor Steve Murrell mentions about honoring our parents. And that comes from the Ten Commandments. The fifth commandment in Exodus 20 verse 12 is the injunction to honor our parents. The first four commandments are all regarding how our, our attitude towards God and from 5 to 10, it's all about how we relate to others. But the, the first one regarding how we relate to others is this one about honoring our parents. And this is what the Bible says. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Well-known scripture. And I actually want to submit to you, if, if, if this concept of honor in community was in place, I'm not sure we would, would actually need the other commandments. But the significant thing is, it is the only commandment that has a promise, so that it may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And you know, I often thought, well, you know, that means therefore, you know, you're going to have longevity issues if you don't do this. Until I was reading the scripture um, uh, one day, and I, and I thought, well, maybe it's not just longevity issues, but more the fact that you will not live in the land. In other words, you will not receive inheritance if you don't walk in honor to your parents. And I want to submit to you spiritual parents as well. There's an inheritance that parents and, and leaders get to give. But if we don't walk in honor, 
we literally cut ourselves off from the promised land that the, that the Lord may have for us. It's quite a challenging scripture, very challenging scripture, if you just look at it from that angle. I want to just highlight something as well, that, you know, we're part of the Every Nation family of churches and ministries worldwide, uh, now in over, over 80 different nations. And the Every Nation mission statement has always started with the words, we exist to honor God. Um, I've seen various versions of the mission statement over the last 20 plus years, but it's always had the words, we exist to honor God. It goes on to say, by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. But it starts with, we exist to honor God. Always has, and I believe it always will be. That is just so foundational. That's where we start. And I was actually thinking about just the concept of being Christ-centered. And I believe one of the keys to keeping our hearts Christ-centered is, is this attitude of wanting to honor God. Having an attitude of wanting to honor God keeps Christ in the center of our lives. It's so key. And, and I believe it's one of the keys to live a Christ-centered life. We want to build a Christ-centered church as we, as we endeavor to do. We have to have an attitude that we want to honor God in everything that we do. And I believe it's a, it's a, it's a key. It's such a simple key. And, and it's been a prayer just, just resonating in my soul. Lord, I want to live for your honor. I want to bring you honor. And if we have that heart attitude, Lord, I want to bring you glory. I want to bring you honor. I want to live for your honor. You will find that Christ stays at the center of your life. And so let's just look at what this practically looks like. Um, in Philippians 4, we say, it's a beautiful scripture where Paul is writing here. And he gives a list of things that we as believers should be thinking about. And, and I find, I found this just so encouraging for so many years. He says over here, before he lists the things um, that we need to and think, he, I just want to highlight this. He says, think about these things. This is his conclusion. These are the things we need to think about. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true. And the second thing he says was, whatever is honorable. I just take some translations that actually use the word noble there. And again, you know, we so often emphasize that, yeah, we are royalty and we're a royal priesthood. Scripture says that. But that isn't just in name, folks. The call to working, walk in honor is a call to walk as royalty. Because the word honorable is the same as the word noble. And that's literally the name for nobility. So if you're walking on it, we're creating a culture of honor. That means we're creating a culture where everybody is, is seen as a prince and a princess. Amen. And he says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. And I, this verse has just been life to me. Just such life over so many years. And um, I've, I've, I've read books about toxic thinking. And, and, and we all sometimes experience this. I've sometimes gone through seasons where I'm just struggling with negative thinking. This verse, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, true, commendable, excellent. Think on these things. 
Folks, this is what is foundational to a, a culture of honor. We think honor. We think about honorable things. When you think about somebody, you don't think about their feet of clay, everything they've done wrong all day long. Think about the honorable aspects of the nature of the character. Think about the honorable things they've done, the honorable things they've said. Yes, we all have feet of clay. We sometimes blow it. I understand that. <laughs> but let us think about these things. And I want to put this scripture up to you, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, because in this scripture, he's talking about the whole concept of honoring God with your body. And he says over here, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. Remember I looked at the previous scripture was honoring God with your thinking, with your mind, with your thoughts. Here he says, honor God with your body. And so we can just see how this whole concept of honor is just, it just permeates every aspect of our lives. If we're going to build a culture of honor, folks, how you treat your body, how you look after your body. What does it look like? Maybe it is that when you wake up in the morning, you honor your body by sorting out your hair. You honor your body by maybe brushing your teeth. You honor your body by washing it and keeping it clean and maybe, you know, uh, putting on some good smelling stuff, etc. It's a way, the way the clothes you wear, it's a way of honoring your body. And so this is just... This, this whole concept of honor, I was like, this is so big, it's so grand, it's so all-encompassing, and it's like, wow, Lord, this is so beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for calling us to a culture of honor. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, I really love it, and, and this was in the 1600s, where a bunch of theologians came together, and they asked a number of questions, and they, this catechism is given in the form of questions and answers. And the first question is this, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That is the chief end of man. And, and, and I, again, when I, when I read this and I was preparing, I was like, Lord, I want to give myself to this. I want to build a church community that, that looks like this, that lives like this. And so, Let's look at this concept in <coughs> John chapter 12, verse 26. Here, Jesus is speaking and he says, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. And why I'm bringing the scripture up is that honor is not something. Remember, I shared about honor not just being vertical, but, but there's a horizontal component. But the ultimate vertical component is our honor of God. And we've looked at a number of scriptures. There's so many scriptures that highlight that. But folks, I want to submit to you that we can never out-honor God. We could never honor God as much as the honor that we will receive from Him. And I'm saying 
in the entire duration of your life, which is going to last for eternity. This verse says, my father will honor the one who serves me. And what does that look like? Folks, for a short space of time on planet Earth, we serve God in these bodies that were given to live in honor. For a short, for eternity, God is going to honor us for serving him. I don't believe there will be a Christian in heaven one day who will regret a minute's service to the Lord because of the amount of honor that God will give us before all creation. I'm okay that people don't see everything I do for God this side of eternity because that side of eternity, it is going to be resounding through the heavens what you and I have done for the Lord. And so my father will honor the one who serves me. I'm saying, let us remember in all, in every way that we serve God, we serve his people, we serve people who don't know him, that ultimately God sees and he will honor us for it. And my last verse is this one. Consider, Romans 8 verse 8, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The glory that will be revealed in us. Folks, we carry glory. It's none other than the presence of God, the presence of Christ. The presence of the Spirit of Christ inside of us will be revealed one day. And I believe the greatest, <laughs> let's say, wow, is going to come from us when we, when, we, when we get to perceive and realize the glory of Christ in us. In, in Colossians, it speaks about Christ in us, the hope of glory. Folks, there is glory that's going to be revealed in us that does not compare with the sufferings we endure the side of eternity. And having this kind of eternal perspective of honor and glory is, 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 is just like an anchor for the souls that, yes, Lord, the end of the story is glorious if you serve Christ. And I want to I invite you, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't know, if this concept of glory, if your concept of the future is depressing and unsure and you're insecure about the future, I want to ask you, won't you pray a simple prayer, surrendering your life to Christ? And I want to submit to you, the result of that is that your life will, 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 be, will, be, will be known and will, will see the glory of God. Pray with me right now to say, Lord Jesus... I surrender my life to you. I give you my all. Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer. I want to invite you to a glorious inheritance together with the other saints. Let us pray. I want us just to close in prayer. Lord, Will you give us grace to build a culture of honor? Thank you for this injunction from our apostolic leaders to build a culture of honor. Lord, as I said a couple of weeks ago in church, Lord, I say yes to this. I want to give myself to build a community of honor, biblical honor. Lord, where there's no extremes of, of just one-way honor, either horizontal or vertical, but where the whole community Lord, as you say in, in, in your scripture, is, 
is trying to outdo one another in expressing and showing honor. Lord, show us what that looks like. May we, may we build and do what you call us to in Jesus' name.